Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello, I'm Gary Mansfield, and welcome to the Mizog Art podcast where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 53 of the Mizog Art podcast. Firstly, I'd like to make the announcement that the Mizog Art Podcast will be rebranding itself in the new year as the Ministry of Arts Podcast. The Ministry of Arts is an organisation I have started in response to lengthy conversations with Ben Burling, founder of Logan Sinclair. We wanted to try and find a viable way to bring pop-up exhibitions into the workplace but rather than take the 50% of the sale price, as a gallery normally would, we'll be collaborating with some of the country's best-known artists to give that 50% to a chosen charity or good cause. Our first show, titled Diversion Ahead, was in aid of Headway East London, a charity that helps those of us affected with varying conditions of brain injury. This took place at the Nave in Bishopsgate, and as well as myself and Lee Ainsworth, it featured the artists Darren Baker, Lewis Bannister, Ben Iron, Christian Fur, Heath Kane, Roy Maynard, Michelle Mildenhall, Rob Mundy, Penny, Dan Pierce, Carrie Reichart, Rugman, Ryan Callanan, and Nettie Wakefield, as well as two collaborative artworks from the guys themselves who benefit from Headway's work. So next time you're over on Instagram, please give a follow to ministryofarts.org. That out of the way, back to this week's episode, where I'm taking you into the studio of Philip Hum, who, in around five years, has gone from leaving his job as CEO of Vodafone and becoming an artist, to actually bringing his artwork to life by producing and directing his own full-length film, The Last Faust, 
featuring one of my favourite actors, Stephen Burkoff. So come and listen to Philip himself tell you about his amazing journey. This afternoon, I'm in the studio of Philip Hum. Hi, Philip. Hi, Gary. Um, I've got seven questions that I ask each artist. Mm. How would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Well, I mean, um, you mean my work itself? Or your artwork. Uh, my artwork. No, I think so. Um, my artwork is about uh, telling stories. So uh, for me, art is a way of uh, visualizing uh, what I want to express. So all the paintings I'm doing, all the, the artwork I'm doing, um, is uh, a, staged, uh, a staged story. It's always mm. figurative. Um, and I like uh, very strong uh, colors, which is probably uh, my German background, yeah. who, are, who are very strong in expressionism. So yeah. I think I picked that one up at, uh, at that time. Not at that time, but from that group. Was there a lot of art in your family growing up? Um, not really. I mean, there was talent there, but uh, not so much in um, in my in my family. We had some writers, but not uh, so much artists. So, how did your interest in uh, art come about? Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you look back at my times at school, I had uh, two uh, strong grades. Uh, one was in art, and one was in mathematics. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Uh, so it basically showed that either my that both sides of my brains were working, but maybe they were working independent <laughs> of each other. <laughs> there was no connection at that point. That's right. Did you have a, an influential artist when you when you started to to create your work? Um, I mean, influence uh, from an art point of view. I think uh, one big influence for me was the uh, German expressionism. Uh, of because of the uh, the way they uh, they really reinvented to use mm. uh, colors and the boldness uh, of the colors they were employing. Um, I think the second uh, big influence for me have always been the surrealists, uh, starting from uh, Delvaux, Belgium artist, and by the way, half Belgian myself, oh, so yeah. there was kind of a natural affinity there. Uh, but also other surrealist artists like um, like uh, Dali, and you will always find the surreal element in the staging I'm doing in my um, in my artwork uh, yeah. uh, itself. Um, and uh, last but not least, and I'm really surprisingly staying more with the older masters was Schiele, but Schiele more uh, from the way he mastered uh, drawings. Mm. And I always think it is so important to be good yeah. at drawings because that's basically uh, how you create good artwork. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I first saw your work, I saw um, echoes of De Carico, um, Max Ernst and mm -hmm. uh, Otto Dix. I could see those undertones flowing in your, in your work at the time. When was it you realised you wanted to be an artist? Um, yeah, it was like it was in two stages. Uh, so I think the first stage was when I... Uh, was ending my uh, my high school. I went to French school, so I did my baccalaureat. Um, that's when I wanted uh, to study art, and I applied for an art school in Berlin. Unfortunately, because there was very limited time, I was too late in the process. Yeah, yeah. I was, and there was very limited time to uh, deliver my portfolio. Uh, I failed. And uh, so after that, I was kind of in the air. I didn't know what to do. And uh, having worked then in different uh, different other areas in photography, getting to know advertising agency, I kind of moved from art to 
advertise to uh, yeah to advertising More commercial yeah uh, to marketing and then into the commercial field where I then actually uh, worked for quite a long time so was for a long time on the business side mm. um, so so basically kind of lost my art then it, would, it, would it have still been a hobby at that time or uh, not uh, not at the beginning because my young children. Mm. Uh, and three of them uh, and uh, and I was working very hard and we're building a house so I was working on the house yeah. on the weekends as well so uh, all of that together just didn't give me any yeah. time to yeah. do anything but, but whatever I had to do right? mm. and uh, so it took a while for me to get back to art and but I got back when the children were were bigger, uh, meaning when they were uh, teenagers, and they anyway don't want to do anything with no, you no. anymore. So that's when you s you start to regain ownership of your time. Yeah, yeah. Up to then, you are not really owner of your time. You are more that's or less where I am at the moment in my life. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. Um, you're you're very much multidisciplinary mm. with the the sort of work. I mean, I've I've seen we're in your studio now. We've we've got paintings and drawings and sculptures everywhere uh, photography and film we're at a position now where you've just directed a your own film tell us about that that's really exciting yeah it's uh it's the the film story is actually a little bit of a funny story because when we started this big project uh on goethe's faust which is uh, now called the last faust um it uh, it started at the beginning um, with the idea to get actors, uh, stage, create a stage, and then uh, based on that, paint what I what I have uh, basically staged. Right? Yeah, nice. That, that was the the starting idea. But I think it's a stage, I think it's a beautiful yeah. way yeah. to to imagine your paintings. Yeah. Or to bring to life your paintings, uh, if you yeah. like, you know. Yeah, exactly. And then we said, fine. If we have the actors, we might as well do proper photography. Excellent. Then we met a guy uh, who was very, very good in CGI uh, photography. And so he showed us what you can do. So he said, oh, Jesus, that's <laughs> Just pushed your limits a little bit yeah, further. So we, we suddenly ended up deciding to do a whole photographic oh, uh, wow. production. Then we, uh, we said, okay, and now we have this photographic production and we have the actors fully dressed. Um, why don't we do a, a behind-the-scenes film and make them talk a little bit and uh, about Faust and, and all these things. And suddenly we ended up doing a, a film which then became a feature film. So it was really like not planned whatsoever um, and then evolved into it. And we, um, and we had to basically, we started at minus, right? At this, didn't understand anything about films yeah. so we had to learn very very on, on, quickly on the, on the way yeah on, yeah, the, on the way and um but uh we found uh an amazing team and daniel my better half and uh, uh co-producer here um she was excellent also in in finding the uh the teams right and finding the right wow. people and what was what was the 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 time frame between starting to to sort of stage these artworks to then making the, the film itself. I mean, the um, my script was uh, finished. Script meaning uh, that I had written the the whole story the way I wanted it based on Faust. So that was finished in October two thousand seventeen. 
Um, and then uh, basically in uh, June 2018, we started producing the film. Wow. And uh, so on the way there, uh, I did the drawings. Then we had to do the whole production preparation, mm. get the actors, get the costumes, blah, 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 find studios. Um, and get uh, the whole process up and running. And does your film stick to the original narrative, or does it...? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you mean the narrative from Goethe's yeah. house? Yeah. So, basically, if you want, the film is composed of of two parts. Uh, one part um, is, uh, is really the original Goethe's theatre play, mm. but it's, it's my way of putting it together, yeah. right? And, and my decision how... Uh, what are the parts I have chosen? But it, it's really original Goethe's uh, text, which has been translated by Martin Greenberg, but that's really where, where Goethe. And it's filmed uh, with a lens which is more of a narrow lens, right? Mm. Um, the second part of the film is then the, the narrator, which developed over time and own life and became the successor of Faust, Dr. Goodfellow, which is played by Stephen Berkhoff. Excellent. And that is an overlay which is played which is then filmed with an anamorph lens which is the wide angle yeah, yeah. cinematic lenses right and uh, so it's it's also these two things are if you want in the in the interplay so the, so the second part is completely written uh, by me with help of uh, of an excellent uh, writer um, Ellen Waddell who helped me then finalize and, and do a proper text out of what I had written and uh, but it's basically an, an addition an overlay story on Goethe's wow. Goethe's Faust. And did you have trouble edit, editing it because I know it's a, a very long story anyway isn't it? Yeah the good thing was that uh, the um, film director we uh, we use Dominique Wieschermann German film director um, started his career um, first in design but then later in editing uh, so he really knew uh, how to edit uh, things he knew how to do CGI work and other things so that was very helpful because uh, the two of us were sitting in a room looking at the different takes and deciding saying no we take this we take that let's mm. cut or let's change things right because we did the film uh, in, uh, we basically did the the whole theatrical part. We filmed it in three weeks for thirty-seven scenes, uh, so uh, that had a limitation. It meant, on average, we only had three takes per scene. Wow! And uh, most of the time we were lucky and was good, but sometimes we had certain scenes which were not so good. Yeah. So you had to start be very very creative in uh, in, in uh, editing and in cutting and changing to in, to afterwards uh, transform the takes which were okay into something uh, which looks amazing afterwards. Yeah. So you will see in the actual film sometimes certain scenes which are very creative the way they use cuts, mm. uh, jump cuts and other things and uh, that's and which really looks good in the end of the day but the starting point was we had an issue. Wow. Yeah. So you had, you had quite a big learning curve from oh, yeah. from start to finish. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, um, I've done now. I've gone now through all the jobs in film, <laughs> <laughs> from making the tea to editing. Yeah, we even uh, used uh, um, uh, we even used prosthetics, right? So we had to age 
our main actor who played Faust, uh, we had to one time make him look younger. So he got some lifting. <laughs> some plasters was he side. pleased of that? Yeah, yeah, no, he looked quite young there. He <laughs> lost all the, all the wrinkles. So he looked 10 years younger and he got a peruke on top. So a wig. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then afterwards he had to age him. So he had to look like yeah. 80, 90. So he, he went uh, into prosthetics for three hours wow. before. And he, but he looked amazing after that. Really old. Nice. Quite amazing. Yeah. So the actors you've got are Stephen Burkoff. Mm-hmm. as Dr. Goodfellow, Martin Hancock, yes. and both of those actors have got really characteristic faces, yeah. haven't they? They're, they're almost painterly in, yeah. in their faces themselves, and um, yeah, very dark and, and gnarly characters. Yeah, now all three of them are, they are all, all three, uh, let's say, uh, classical actors, mm. so they are all... Uh, trained in uh, theatre and in, um, and in, let's say, uh, complicated uh, stories and films, which is why they performed so well with, with such a, a complex matter. I mean, they had to learn a hell of a lot of text yeah. for a short period of time, uh, which is more than any actor in a film normally would do. Right? Did I mean, they express that on, on set, that uh, no, it was, it was yeah, more yeah. challenging than normal? Yeah, no, no, they, they felt quite challenged. I'm, but I'm sure they enjoyed yeah. the, the challenge, oh, yeah, to, be, they, to be pushed like that. They, they loved it because uh, for them, uh, they never worked in a set where over, um, in a short period of time, they had to do so many different things yeah. and uh, do so many different roles. Like, for example, Glynn said, this is crazy. Now I'm sitting here in underwear covered in blood. <laughs> and the next, the next moment I'm flying through the air yeah. on, uh, on some strings, right? Metal strings. And then I'm in a, um, in a, in a big suit, right? Uh, um, yeah. And so he's, he enjoyed kind of these different a total range, yeah, different roles he had to jump into. And what was also different for them and, uh, in a, in a way challenging is, a normal the normal way a film is done is the actor does you do the take with the actor then they have a break and then you change everything yeah, and then yeah. you do the next take and then change so they have lots of idle time on set here because we decided to do a film and a photo production in parallel so we had one studio was photo one studio was film uh, they basically came out of the film of, of the photo wow. and went straight to the other one and uh, which for them was challenging as well because actors are actually not good models per se. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Because they need to say yeah, something, yeah, like yeah. move. And suddenly being still was for them like really strange. And uh, so they had to learn that as well. And uh, so it was a, a stretch for everybody, but uh, we were lucky. Yeah, we selected people that um, were very good team players. Yeah. And uh, were very helpful with each other. Was they aware of the story? Uh, no, I mean at the beginning, none of them were. Uh, quite a few had read Marlowe, uh, knew Marlowe's mm, yeah. uh, Faust. None had read uh, Goethe's Faust before, um, and uh, so so for them it was also discovering and uh, and discovering this, uh, Goethe's Faust. Glyn Dilly is now an expert on on, uh, <laughs> on Faust in the, in the meantime. And uh, so I think it was for them also an, uh, an interesting uh, discovery. I mean, it just gives a run through of the, the story that runs through it. Yeah, so the, the story is basically uh, God and the devil, right, uh, sitting together and making a bet uh, where basically the, 
uh, God says to the devil, well, you, uh, I'm sure there are people you cannot uh, tempt with all the sins you have uh, to offer. Uh, and the devil says, sure, I can do it. And so God says, okay, let's bet that we can't pervert uh, Faust. Uh, because I know he's striving for the truth mm. only as a true scientist. So I say, fine, let's bet on it. So the devil comes to earth and then uh, 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 meets uh, Faust and they make a pact and uh, f uh, the devil promise uh, to Faust that he will help him uh, uh, find the knowledge he's seeking because Faust wants to uh, to recreate to recreate what god has done mm. right so the devil promises that he will do that but he actually can't because that's what god can yeah, so instead yeah. he tricks him into falling in love into the next young girl which is uh, called gretchen a love story which goes really bad right so she dies mother dies brother dies so it ends really tragically and that's the end of faust one then uh, faust um continues to be obsessed by the, the image of a woman but this time about more an idealized image so uh, basically what uh, happens then is that they are going into greek mythology to find the most beautiful woman ever mm. on earth who supposedly is helena of troy oh well yeah, yeah? so they are basically leaving reality going back in time four thousand years and Faust is now uh, with the devil uh, and with uh, Homunculus, who is the first uh, superhuman in, in the making, in Greek mythology, going after trying to find Helena. And so they trick her in, in marrying them in Greek mythology, uh, Faust, and they have a baby together called Euphorion. Um, and as the baby dies, uh, Faust is kind of freed of this desire for this perfect mm. woman. And then comes back again into reality and they help the emperor uh, win a war and then uh, he is creating big engineering projects before uh, dying uh, with and his last act is creating an utopia of an egalitarian society so if you want his last act is to act a bit like Karl Marx yeah I like the little um, the, the name you've got running along with it it's a contemporary tragedy yeah yeah, so a nice little line there, and and, and also sorry, yeah. and also a, a total work of art. Yeah, which I like that as well. That's, yeah, that I explains think it's, a lot. It's a total work of art because the film is only one part mm. uh, of it, right? And uh, it's more than 150 works of art. So it's photos, it's drawings, it's watercolor paintings, it's oil paintings, it's uh, and what, what will be happening with those? Yeah, the, uh, they will find their way now into exhibitions and galleries. And uh, so we are planning the next exhibition then with the, the artworks uh, for next year uh, in London and hopefully then soon in Germany. Do you know where, where they're going to be? Uh, we have one plan now in June, but we are not yet, not yet there to, uh, to uh, publish it yet. Mm. And a book also with a with a photography. Uh, yeah, we have a book, but uh, it's not a published book, if you oh, want. Okay, so it's more that the ones who who get the photography uh, can then have the uh, the book to know where the photo they bought fits into. Mm. So it's more for that uh, that context. But we also have a book uh, which will come out on uh, um, which. Uh, 
uh, I will show you in a, in a minute, which basically um, is the film script mm. plus the uh, overlay story oh, and, nice. um, and my drawings. And have you had this idea for a while? Has it been in the back of your mind yeah. at all? No, um, uh, I, I always loved uh, uh, painters who do illustrations. Mm. And uh, so I loved Paula Rego, I loved uh, Dali's illustration of the, of the uh, Dante's Infernal Comedy. And uh, so, so I was always in the back of my mind that I would like to do something like that because I think it's, it's super interesting to take um, a, a piece of literature uh, or theater play and visualize it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. visualize give it, it in your way. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and so you give it a new creation, but you start with something. Nice. And uh, so that was, I was like that. And then uh, Faust, I remembered uh, Faust a bit, but having gone to a French school, I only read the first part of Faust. Mm. So I didn't really know it well enough. And then I, uh, I said, well, uh, let me, uh, let, but I like the basic story. So I said, let me reread Faust, and maybe Faust is the story I want to do, maybe not. So I read Faust, and then I discovered the second part of Faust, and I said, wow, this is just enorm enormous, this is amazing. This is actually uh, a story written for the 21st century. Yeah. Right? And the 21st century, where we strive like crazy for technological progress. And we do pacts with the devil every single day, mm -hmm. and we always neglect the negative sides of it. Yeah, we're selling our soul yeah, course, all the yeah. time, and uh, um, so I think. That, um, I mean, was that was that idea, that notion in mind in your previous job, which you left a few years ago? Yeah, I think. So, I mean, we haven't we haven't mentioned, but you was a CEO of Vodafone Europe. Yeah. I mean, if you if you work on the technology side, when you're in the middle of it, you tend to act in a Faustian yeah. way, right? So you you are doing bets uh, on the future, but you always tend to neglect the ne the yeah. downsides. Yeah. So if because you just say, look, the technology is grand, it will uh, save so many people, so and uh, and and do all these positive things. Mm. For example, uh, people who work on AI. Uh, there are tons of uh, good things AI can do for the world. Uh, but AI is ultimately something which can threaten humanity yeah. in, uh, in its existence, right? But you kind of say, yeah, that we will be able to control <laughs> it somehow. And that, I don't think that's the case. So I think I was probably also a bit this Faustian uh, uh, scientist uh, uh, who, who was doing his deals. And, uh, and I reflected... Um, and, but the good thing for me was that I understood what technology means and how far technology can go. Mm. And, um, and then as I, um, as I turned my back, if you want, to the, to the business side, I had more time to reflect on what I was doing before. And that's when I started seeing also more the downsides, right? Mm. So I'm, I'm kind of, uh, if you want, a bit like people who stop smoking, they... They become, let's say, more critical of yeah, smokers. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'm in a similar stage now. <laughs> and how are you feeling now that that you've mm -hmm. left that part of you behind and and you've you, you're full time now in art? Yeah, look, I'm uh, I'm super passionate about what I do, and uh, so I think from. 
from that point of view, I'm really happy uh, to be where I am. And, uh, and I'm at the same time happy that I, um, that I have my past uh, as a rich foundation for, mm. uh, for what I do, right? So I'm not, yeah. I'm not starting at, uh, as a blank sheet of paper, but I start with also my history. And that's helpful, I think, in, in, um, in working and having a, a clear view on the world. Well, I was going to say that being in that high pressure environment mm -hmm. and then becoming an artist where it's a bit more laid back, that wouldn't really, from what I've seen in your studio today, that wouldn't really be your case because you're quite prolific in, yeah. in your artwork, aren't you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not so laid back. <laughs> and uh, so I think I'm, I never run out of ideas. No. So even now I have like probably 50 or 60 uh, sketches ready for paintings, which I can't do because I didn't have the time. Yeah. So I'm uh, I'm not running out of ideas, and uh, um, so it's more a question of uh, of prioritizing yeah. often, and um, and and when the issue is simply if you love some to do something, why not do it, right? And, uh, and good philosophy. Uh, yeah, and so I, I tend to spend a lot of time on it, but I'm really happy in in doing that. We're talking about your artworks. Which is the piece that you've created that's got the strongest emotional connection? Mm. Yeah, I think right now, probably the piece I showed you downstairs, which uh, basically is this uh, big oil painting of uh, 1 meter uh, 80, which shows um, the angel on the cross um, as a symbol of uh, uh, God's powers which are dwindling and humanity which is endangered and then you have in the background this uh, Stephen Berkhoff lamenting to the yeah. angel so I think that's probably my what's the title of that does it have one um, it's right now it's angel on the cross it's let's say the working title right now but angel on the cross it's not the wrong title for sure I mean you're, you're obviously extremely busy with, with your art and, and the art you produce where do you go to relax, or what do you do to relax? Yeah, I think one one thing I uh, I have been doing, and unfortunately I've been doing that for the last thirty years, is I'm uh, I'm an avid uh, runner. So I think running is like uh, meditation on uh, uh, cardio meditation. Yeah, I've had a few <laughs> artists say that. Yeah, so I think it's it's a very good exercise because you empty your brain. You don't really think. Sometimes mm. there is a thought popping in, but not really. Yeah. And uh, so it gives you a good uh, hour where you definitely clean your unload, uh, unload yeah. and nice. clean your batteries. And so I do that. Um, and I've been doing that for nearly 30 years now. So I think that's, that's definitely one way of unwinding. And, um, and uh, otherwise, it's more uh, unwinding by going out or going uh, to exhibitions yeah, nice. or, uh, or galleries or, or something like that. Uh, speaking of which, if there was you and five other artists, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Mm, yeah, I mean, I would definitely bring in some dead ones. As yeah, well. of course, <laughs> of course. So I would love to um, have uh, Delvaux in, right, uh, as, a, as a surrealist. Mm. I really love his work. Um, I love uh, Paula Rego uh, and... Uh, for her work, for her stage, mm. uh, stage work. Um, I love uh, German expressionists, uh, so I would uh, 
probably get a mucker uh, in as a as a third one um, and then I'm I'm still staying more with the more with the older painters uh, but I definitely would get a Dali in because uh, in my view from a craftsmanship he is quite unbeatable yeah, in his, yeah. in his uh, drawings and uh, in his whole personalia and um, and everything else and um, and then probably as a sculptor would take a Lehnbrück mm. uh, who I think is a very expressive uh, a sculptor as well yeah, but as you see they're all figurative so I'm always I will always be and stay in the figurative space yeah. I'm never moving into abstract fully some elements figurative yeah, yeah you blur, it's got blurred yeah. blurred edges hasn't yeah. it in, the, in your yeah. peripherals yeah. as it were if you wasn't an artist what would you like to be if I wasn't an artist um, yeah I think then it's becoming now difficult probably an artist if I was an artist an artist so maybe I would do more um, more f uh, film but uh, um, but art oriented film so not like uh, Marvel yeah yeah yeah, yeah or, or theater but also art oriented theater well, my very last thing is asking um, what have you got coming up yeah. the last Faust when does it release yeah so the uh, the last Faust um, will be out um, on the big uh, platforms like Amazon iTunes Google uh, Microsoft Sky etc on uh, December 2nd so that's when the official release of the film is um, and uh, the uh, rest of the art uh, in 2020 and 21 so there is uh, there are now quite big collections and now we are in talks with uh, galleries and, and oh, nice. uh, to, to show them are you having a physical opening of the film uh, no, the f uh, no, we don't have a physical opening of the film, but it will be online, and uh, we have let's say physical pre-screenings mm. that yes, but not a physical. Oh, opening. that's what that's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Sorry, I'm yeah. pre-screening. Where can anyone see what you do online, social media? Yeah, online social media to some extent. So you can uh, you can see. I mean, my website is is probably the best source of information. Mm. Uh, www. Uh, dot art so that's where you have most of the information yeah. but then obviously I'm also present in uh, Instagram Facebook uh, etc well that's all my questions asked Philip excellent thank you very much thank you thank you there we are Philip Hulm that's some journey right as Philip mentioned the last Faust makes its debut on the 2nd of December and is being billed as a total work of art so it's obviously something not to be missed to get a sneak peek of some of the artworks produced from The Last Faust and a trailer of the film itself, go over to Philip's website, which is philiphum.art. Just before I sign off, I'd just like to thank KTW for making this podcast happen. And like I say every week, on whichever platform you're listening to this podcast, there should be the ability to like, subscribe or leave a comment about this podcast. They all only take a moment, but if you are only able to do one, please do leave a comment. Not only does it help us as a podcast, but it also helps anyone looking for an art podcast. So, thanks again, and until next week, ta -da.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 